0: You can support Geek Therapy and gain access to exclusive content by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash geektherapy. Welcome to a bonus episode of GT Radio on the Geek Therapy Network. Here at Geek Therapy, we believe that the best way to understand each other and ourselves is through the media we care about. My name is Josue Cardona, and I am here just to intro this very special episode. Today is Valentine's Day, and... Whether you celebrate it or not, you will see a lot of media about relationships and sex and candy (laughs) and romance. And there's a show on the network called Hero Nation that just did an episode on super couples in comic books. So imagine superheroes who are dating, who are in relationships, who are dealing with the things that you deal with in a relationship. These are these are media examples of that. Hero Nation is a podcast on the Geek Therapy Network. It is a great show hosted by Sophia Ansari and Breck Warren. What they talk about is diversity in comic books, in superhero stories, in popular media. They're celebrating diversity through the stories that we love. It's a it's a great show. If you've never listened to it, please subscribe to the to their feed. Just look up Hero Nation, and you'll see you know if it's if it's by the Geek Therapy Network, you've you've found the right show. And this latest episode, again, is on relationships among superheroes and, and characters from comic books. It's really great. So I hope you enjoy this bonus episode on the GT Radio feed. This is episode number eight of our GT Network podcast, Hero Nation. To find more Hero Nation, visit heronation.geektherapy.com. You can find subscription links, or again, just look for it on your favorite podcasting app. Now, this episode is on relationships. The upcoming regularly scheduled episode of GT Radio is all about sex. So, we've got all the Valentine's Day topics covered here on the GT Network this weekend. So, I will catch you in a couple days. Enjoy.
1: Welcome to the Hero Nation podcast. My name is Sophia Ansari.
2: And my name is Breck Warren.
1: And we're back, I feel like we're nice. always saying that,
2: because <laughs>
1: it's been like, what, four months, right? Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> But that that's that how long.
1: we roll, that's how we roll, right, Breck? <laughs> yeah,
2: you know, we, we like to keep everyone on the edge of the seats.
1: Right, right, that whole, when will they come back, or will they ever come back, dun-dun-dun. <laughs> it's like comic <laughs> books, the suspense and, and the thrill, mm. right? that That's just how we do it here at Hero Nation. Yes. Um but today's episode which is going to be the first one in 2020. Man, it's 2020. Yes. Um that's crazy, right?
2: Happy New Year. Happy New Year
1: <laughs> in February now, yeah. okay? Um but this episode is a special one because it's all about love. Aw.
2: Yeah, you know, especially with Valentine's Day right around the corner, we thought this would be a fun topic to talk about. Yes. After all, one of the biggest things about comic books is that superheroes suffer. You know, I mean, Peter Parker, Batman, the list goes on and on. And they might have magic or capes, but they definitely have their fair share of relationships, ups and downs.
1: That is very true. And really, what is a superhero story without some sort of challenge, right? That's what they're Mm -hmm. all about. Mm -hmm. And relationships might be the ultimate challenge for the superheroes, right?
2: Right. So let's, you know, dive into the first one, which I think is a fan favorite, you know, Luke Cage and Jessica Jones. And if you want to learn more about Luke Cage's backstory, check out our episode called Black Superheroes, when we explore his backstory. There's also the Netflix shows Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. Now, in the comic books, they're married and they have a daughter together named Danielle Cage, or Danny, named after Danny Rand. And she was named, of course, again, after Iron Fist, Luke's friend and partner, business partner.
1: Yeah, I don't think that's like a little Jeopardy trivia there, Mm -hmm. you know, that they were, they named him, uh, named her after Iron Fist and, and their relationship definitely has some ups and downs, right? I mean... They've dealt with insecurities, jealousy, and the trauma that Jessica Jones experienced. You know, at the at the hands of the Purple Man or you know Kilgrave, right? Kilgrave, who has these like mind control powers, and he sexually assaults her. And so there's a lot of these layers to this relationship with Luke Cage and, and Jessica. Um, but really, after everything that they've been through, they're still there for each other.
2: That's right. I mean, the two super strong superheroes. We also have to balance a regular family life. I think this story is really relatable in that sense. You know, there's this whole storyline, which came out in 20, 2006, and it was in New Avengers number 22, which to this day is my favorite single issue comic mm-hmm. book of all time. Now, this was happening in the middle of the Civil War, and it surrounded the Superhero Registration Act. Okay, wait a minute, pause. Now, if you don't know, Civil War was basically heroes for and against the Superhero Registration Act, or the SRA. Now, one side was pro-SRA, which was Iron Man, and the other side was nay-SRA, and that was led by Captain America. Now, the legislation was telling heroes that in order to be heroes, they had to unmask, register with the government, get training, and the federal government would put you in one of 50 teams in the United States. Now, this all came about because the New Warriors, a team of young 20-somethings, they were trying to capture the villain Nitro while they were filming a reality show. But instead of capturing him, Nitro exploded and killed over 200 people. A lot of them were children. And with the outcry being so loud, Iron Man and others felt like registering was the right thing to do, while Captain America and his camp thought it infringed on the rights of others, especially if they if that list got released somehow. So back to Luke and Jessica, though. So they were they argued about whether they should sign it or not, since that's what Iron Man and Miss Marvel wanted them to do because. At the time, Carol and Jess were besties and wanted them to do so. They both agreed that the registration would, could be used against them by the government, so they decided to fight it. And actually, it's interesting, that issue, Iron Man says, it's the law, it's the law, and Luke Cage says, well, so was slavery. Mm-hmm. And then Iron Man just kind of dumbfounded because it's Iron Man. Right. But they end up be- becoming this family on the run, and they're scared about their baby's safety. So Jessica leaves Luke to find shelter for herself, and their daughter, and Luke fights in the war. I mean, the end of the last page of the issue is, you know, there was a news report about Luke Cage being attacked and how he got away. Jessica's Jessica's just like, yes, you know, everything may be okay. But anyway, later she joins and, and helps fight the Skrulls.
1: I feel like we need to do a whole episode on just that because <laughs> yeah. I know that's your favorite. You've told yes. me so many times. And, and also, if you think about it, like mimics a lot of, Real life stuff that happens today, and oh, and you know, yes. there's just there's so much. So yeah, we we gotta because I can tell you light up every time you talk oh, about that issue. <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh man, look, I'm smiling now about it. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> um, but yeah, with you know, with Luke Cage and and Jessica Jones, they were you know the the whole, I guess. This moral of that was that they were able to settle their differences and Mm -hmm. and respect one another's choices, even if they couldn't agree on everything, you know, and and Jessica didn't stop Luke from fighting a war that he obviously believed in and and Luke didn't stop her from protecting their daughter, obviously, Mm -hmm. because, you know, he knew that was important. So they were both able to find a way through war and still stay together. And so we see that they, you know, disagree on these political topics and they disagree on parenting, you know, issues here yeah. and there, but they always find a solution and they move forward together. Um, and, and speaking of parenting issues, just because this is just cute, but um, there's, I don't know, there's secret invasion of uh, new Avengers number 47. Have you seen that one? Yeah. Have you read that one? Yep. <laughs> okay. So you see Luke Cage changing a diaper in that one, right? <laughs> yeah. And he basically freaks out over baby poop, like something about yeah. the color of the baby poop. I He's like, get it. Yeah. I and, so, and I imagine him like saying sweet Christmas <laughs> when he opens up that diaper. <laughs> because <laughs> you know so I, I can just imagine that so so you know in that whole issue he's trying to figure out how to hold even like hold his baby
2: mm-hmm.
1: he's even calling the baby it and jessica's like oh my gosh it's not an it um <laughs> but but it's because he's new to this whole fatherhood thing and and it just shows jessica showing him how to even comfort the baby how to hold the baby right. and there's this there's this funny moment when he says that he's going to tell the baby a story about how he and Jessica first met, and Jessica's like, "Yeah, I already told her that story." So then Luke says, "Okay, I'll tell her a story about the first time we fought, and Jessica says, "Yeah, I already told her that one too <laughs> so so Luke tells the baby that the story of the day they fell in love uh that he fell in love with Jessica, so that that was a whole that whole exchange was really funny. I love that
2: mm-hmm. And I love that it was showing challenges, you know, first-time parents go Mm -hmm. through. Mm -hmm. Now Jessica is really patient with them. And it just shows that even though they are Avengers, they can freak out about diapers too. Right.
1: (laughs) It makes us feel a little bit better. Um, So, yeah, definitely I I love that show of vulnerability from two very very powerful people. And, Mm. uh, in new Avengers number 49, Jessica actually accidentally leaves her baby with a shape shifting scroll. And she, I mean, obviously she thought it was somebody else. It was Jarvis. Oh yeah, 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 exactly. She thought it was Jarvis, but it it wasn't, but it wasn't (laughs) right. Yeah, exactly. So she was, she was trying to be a good parent, but obviously Mm -hmm. she didn't know. And then when she realizes it's a scroll, she tells Luke and he finds a way through his resources and everything, um, to, to find Danny and it again it just showed how Luke you know he wasn't angry at her and he didn't blame her and he agreed that their like their superhero lives puts their day their daughter in danger obviously mm-hmm. you know she's always going to be at risk because of the jobs that they have and so they talk about how they have to work really hard to balance their two worlds um in order to protect their their child at the same time
2: yeah, and that's why there was a an issue i can't remember what it was but they actually had to look for a nanny you know, mm-hmm. to be there for Danny in case, uh-huh. you know, they had to go save the world or whatever. Right. And they go through all these different candidates and it turns out their <laughs> nanny turns out to be Squirrel Girl. Ah. Of all the people. Squirrel of girl. Of all the people. Yeah. And, you know, and families everywhere can definitely relate to that work life balance. I mean yes. everybody has that. Mm-hmm. And so our next couple is Cloak, who's Tyrone, and Dagger, who's Tandy. So T and T if you would. Mm-hmm. That's easy to remember. And they first appear in Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, number sixty-four. Now they both met in New York when they were teenage runaways. They both came from very different backgrounds. I mean, Tyrone was seventeen, who was a stutter, and he actually ran—he actually ran away when a stutter prevented him from stopping his friend from being shot by a police officer believe that he had robbed the store, and he just couldn't get it out in time that mm-hmm. it wasn't his friend, it was somebody else.
0: Right.
2: And then Tandy was a 16-year-old girl from a rich family who ran away because her supermodel mom was too busy to spend time with her. Now, Tyrone was actually going to steal from Tandy when they were on the streets, but before he tried to rob her, she ends up getting robbed by another guy, and Tyrone stops the guys and gets her purse back. They become friends. And then while homeless and on the street, some guys ask Tandy if she needs a place to stay, so Tyrone goes with her to protect her. Then it ends up that these guys work for a chemist who had made this synthetic heroin. He had been testing it on homeless teens, and it always ended up killing his subjects. So he tested on Tyrone and Tandy, but they somehow ended up surviving it. And they escape, and the drug turns them into super superheroes, pretty much.
1: Right. Yeah, that, it's, a, it's an interesting storyline i think and Mm -hmm. and and it's also interesting how their superpowers are sort of linked to one one another yeah Uh, their their powers represent shadow and light so cloak can put his enemies into a dimension of darkness by using his cloak which is i guess basically a portal to darkness right basically um and he can also use that uh cloak or that dimension for teleportation so i guess a, a span of miles on earth or only a few steps in the, that dark force dimension. So he can use it as a shortcut to go back and forth and help him teleport from one place to another.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: he has, you know, ultimately he has this need to feed on light, like this hunger. Um, and he can take that light from the, the people that he defeats or Dagger can give it to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so da- and Dagger, she can project light, these light daggers. And so she can basically feed cloak that light that he really really needs that he's hungry for and but the people who are this is always interesting but to me that the the people who are in cloaks darkness you know that are put into that dimension they feel numb and cold and have really scary visions of their own fears and nightmares and anyone who stays in that dimension for a really long time just sort of loses their mind and goes insane and um, i also find it interesting that he can also see the fears of certain people that he touches and then dagger, again, she can feed him using her daggers, which, you know, project the light. And her dagger even helps. This is interesting. Her dagger helps people struggling with addiction, too, because yeah. they show that. She helps, yep. like, other people on the streets, like teenagers who are addicted. Mm-hmm. Um And she is sort of the opposite. She can mentally see the hopes of certain people by touching them. So I just thought, wow, there's so much symbolism there and there's so much you can do in therapy with that you know what i mean like the lightness and the dark and what are your visions what are your fears and nightmares and there's just so much you could do there i just love i love that whole that whole symbol symbolism behind that storyline
2: and they and they go through this trauma together ended up teaming up and fighting drug cartels and other drug dealers and helping the homeless and people with addictions and people actually know them on the street There's kind of, I forgot what they called them, like devil and angel, something like that. But Mm -hmm. something along those lines, because yeah, they are helping, you know, and she uses her help or she uses her light to help his darkness, you know, so there's that balance like you were saying. And there's a show on Freeform, or it used to be a show, I guess I should say now, called Cloak and Dagger. And it did some changes, you know, obviously from the comics, because that happens sometimes and... The showrunner explained in an interview that they changed some things because the comics were a bit sexist and racist. And again, it was, you could say it was '80s in quotes, right. but yeah, that was pretty much true. Yeah. And they really went into the origin stories more, so you could learn about where the where these characters were coming from. Now, I've only watched the the pilot episode with my daughter, and I have to be honest, you know, it wasn't my cloak and dagger, so right. you know, I wasn't all that interested. But you know, now that I think it has been canceled and You know, I could just binge the whole thing. And so I may do that, you know, on Hulu or YouTube TV or something like that. And, you know, now, especially because they make an appearance on on Runaways, which is on, no, it's third season. That's also on Hulu.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I need to put that on my list of Mm -hmm. things. I I do have like the original Cloak and Dagger comics that were gifted to me a long time ago. So I'll have to show you those sometime, Brad, because that's pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, you mentioned that, they go through this pain and trauma together, mm-hmm. so you know they they trusted strangers, and in the end, the strangers betrayed them, right? And yeah. and remember, these were teens, teens who had run away from home because they didn't feel like they were in a supportive or trusted environment. So, for Cloak and Dagger, through all the experiences, good and ba- bad, they they stick together, and that's what the comics show. And you know, as you know we read about this and we learn about their their stories, um, I'm reminded of a term in psychology that's called collective trauma and so it's noted that shared pain can actually bring people together and I've worked with veterans and and this is something you hear a lot of. Um, when you you know, especially when you're doing group therapy, survivors of trauma have these unique shared bonds, and it's like this. I guess like you would say, like a social glue mm. that binds people together. And it and when we when we're talking about veterans and stuff, there's even a term. It's called unit cohesion. Um, mm. But this isn't something I want to make note of. It isn't something that helps decrease PTSD. So that's that's important to know. But um, I used to work with with couples too, and there would be times when individuals who are hurting would only seek out other hurting people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I would have to remind them to stop mistaking their shared trauma for compatibility because Mm -hmm. you can't build a healthy relationship on an unstable foundation. Right. So, but, but a bond built on pain is obviously different from people trying to support one another and promote growth and, and healing, obviously.
2: Yeah, and so, you know, when I think about superheroes in general and super groups who come, in t- to come together to take on the bad guys and the war and the loss of friends they experience together, that's shared trauma. Right. You know, which is definitely shown on Netflix as the Punisher. Yes. You know, so a lot of these superhero groups really have strong relationships.
1: Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned The Punisher because um, there's a lot of powerful scenes in that show where Frank is in group therapy with other vets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I definitely recommend that show. It's on Netflix. It's still on Netflix, right? All yeah. these shows, yeah. Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so, so yeah, that's another that's another show that people should add to their list if you haven't watched because Punisher is pretty pretty powerful. And that's come up a lot uh, with me when I'm working with clients. Um, So I I talk a lot about that in workshops, about how veterans respond to the Punisher storyline because it seems most in line with their own experiences when when it comes to PTSD. Mm -hmm. So definitely check out the Punisher. But yeah, I mean, in that sense, you see a lot of, trauma bonding like you're mentioning and but we know in the in the real world not comics but in the real world <laughs> when two people come together with these things in common they can both become agents of pain and they can become agents of coping for one another mm. if, if that makes any sense um, so they, they make the mistake of thinking that their shared trauma would translate into compatibility because they assume that because they hurt the, the same that they would also love the same does that make mm. sense Yeah, no, and so and And that can happen, you know, and also, you know, what can happen is that it can create a a cycle of re-victimization that basically ensures that neither of the individual in the relationship moves beyond the pain that binds them together. So it's not as cookie cutter clean as a comic sometimes, obviously, you know, sure, your origin story may start out the same in pain and trauma, but that doesn't mean that your destination is the same. Ooh, yeah. I need to be, like, writing that in a comic book, but yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I do think it's interesting how Cloak and Dagger do explore that because each brings their dark- darkness and light to the table, you know, and that's any superhero. Right. You know, and they have to figure out a way to support one another, you know. I mean, the two of them broke up but eventually got back together because they realized that they truly needed each other. And for a story about super- super-powered teenagers, you know, that- that's pretty deep
1: it is pretty deep. See, like, did you even think we could get into such a deep conversation about cloak and Dagger? (laughs) And really that's exactly why comic books can seamlessly be incorporated into therapy. And like, again, the, the symbolism with darkness and light, that's just so powerful. There's so many layers there to explore. And it's definitely a story that has a lesson to be learned. And one of the lessons being that our pain may bring us together, but it doesn't mean it doesn't help for us to stay there. And, the main goal of the relationship is to really end the cycle of trauma bonding, right? right? So we need to get each other beyond it so that we can grow and obviously live meaningful lives. And and that's what is called post traumatic growth. That's a term in psychology, and it's really about using your strengths to move you forward after the trauma. And like I said, cloak and dagger definitely show that. And again, it's just about some teenagers that ran away, but right. again, you know, it's <laughs> it's pretty pretty powerful. <laughs> Right. And, and I want to just, um, since, you know, we're on the topic. I want to just mention that if you're in a relationship with someone who has experienced a trauma, you, you, you know, and I, I'm thinking of this just because of we we're talking about Jessica Jones and Luke mm-hmm. Cage earlier. And, and Jessica has been, uh, you know, she's a survivor of, of sexual assault, right? So this is where my, you know, mind is just reminded of mm-hmm. this, but you know, for that person who's in that relationship with someone who's experienced a trauma, you probably feel alone and frustrated because you don't know how to make your partner feel better. And as we know with, with Jessica Jones, she does a lot of this emotional numbing with her drinking, right? She yeah. drinks a lot. Um, so in order to, to heal and make the relationship healthy, I think it's important for people to be in therapy together, right? Couples therapy yeah. and also get your therapy individually. Um, And and for that partner, back to that partner, just remember that you don't need to try to fix or heal the trauma. Healing from trauma takes time, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. The brain needs time to process the the traumatic information, the experience. So really the best thing uh, a partner can do is be there and listen when a person who's experiencing the trauma symptoms needs to talk. Just be supportive emotionally. And you can offer statements like, you know, wow, that, that sounds like it was really difficult to deal with. Or, you know, I hear you saying that this is really hard for you right now. You know, just saying simple things like that can be really validating for that person who's experienced the trauma.
2: So it sounds like being present is key.
1: Yeah, exactly. Being present and also don't take it personally because your partner partner is trying to work through some really tough stuff, obviously, right? So mm, they might yeah. dis- distance themselves emotionally or physically, but that has nothing to do with their feelings about you because this is totally normal. And, and I hear this a lot, again, with people I've worked with, you know, and I always remind them if you're trying to connect with your partner physically, um, then you need to ask them First, you know, what do you need? And also talk about what you need, because obviously one person shouldn't feel rejected because that can affect the relationship as well. Right.
2: Mm hmm. And again, it just sounds like communication is so very important. Mm hmm. I mean, I know my wife is always telling me, sometimes I just need you to listen.
1: Exactly. I mean, that's, I mean, isn't that just like the number one relationship advice out there? (laughs) Yeah, I think so. So, exactly. So, (laughs) again, get your own counseling. Everyone should, you know, be in therapy. We always talk about physical health, but mental health is just as important. And get couples counseling together as well and and take care of yourselves. And and remember, there's hope, right? There is hope, which is what I believe superhero stories provide us.
2: Yes, and that's why you know we love them so much. We do, you know. Yes. I mean, so next up on the list, keep it moving.
1: Yeah, <laughs> we got deep there. <laughs> yeah, we we're, like, okay. were like, okay, wait a minute. Let's look at the time here. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, keep it moving, Brack. What's all next? <laughs> right.
2: Northstar and Kyle Jinnadu, Jinnadou, Jinnadu, Jinnadu,
1: I don't know. Jenadu, yeah. That's. I don't good. know. I'll
2: go with that. Genadou. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now North Star was the first openly gay character in Marvel in the Marvel universe I mean it was a big thing when he came out mm-hmm. and this was you know mid 90s so AIDS crisis was still full in the swing and he came out you know to everyone came out to his team his twin sister I mean just everyone now his and Kyle's wedding was the first gay marriage in mainstream comic book history and you can read about it in twenty twelves astonishing X Men number fifty one I mean it was a Double-fold cover, still regular right. priced, And I do want to touch on, because I know some people say, what about, I got you guys, Apollo <laughs> Midnighter had, and, and Midnighter had been married in Authority Number 29 a decade before in 2002. But, again, this was the first in mainstream comics. Right, right. I think they actually got married on the last page of the issue. Cause then, again, I have that, so I know.
1: Of course you so do. I, I again, I, I got you guys. I know, <laughs> <Right>. I
2: know. <laughs> Now, in the comics, they deal with issues surrounding the rights to get married and also topics like deportation, where Kyle is threatened to be sent back to Canada. There's also Ray Montoya, who is Dominican, and in the new Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. That's a long title, but I like saying it. (laughs) And she was dating Kate Kane, who becomes Batwoman, and they come from very different backgrounds also. Now, Renee comes from a working-class family, and Kate is a rich socialite. The relationship didn't work out, though, because Renee was hiding her sexuality. Renee was also the superhero of the question. Well, she eventually becomes the superhero of the question, I should say. And Kate couldn't handle this because she was already leading a double life by being Batwoman, as I stated before. Now, Kate didn't want to hide more of herself, so she was out to her family. It was just one less secret, but Renee wasn't able to come out to hers. So ended up tearing them apart. Apart now, I think I know. I think in the comics she did come out to her family. I can't remember, but I know at least on Supergirl, when she came out to her family, her her father took a minute to accept her. But I think eventually he did.
1: Mm, okay, so I mean, I mean, see how deep this gets. at these comics explore stuff like that, like the fear of coming out, and then if you you know not coming out. It caused a relationship to sort of tear apart, right? So that was yeah. you know, some deep stuff. And so comics do that; they've explored things like homophobia and stigma and discrimination, and they they talk about how these characters deal with that stuff. and mm-hmm. And I'm not sure how much they delve into it in, in these comics specifically, but in the real world, <laughs> these you know <laughs> these these negative attitudes don't you know towards the LGBTQ youth can really. Increase their chance of experiencing things like violence, um, especially compared Mm -hmm. with other students in their schools. And and violence can include behaviors such as bullying, right, and teasing and harassment and physical assault. And then... You know suicide related behaviors you know and we both work with the youth so we yeah. we, we know we you know the, the bullying is out there it's it's real and um, I have a report that I had gotten from a training a while ago so I don't know what year the study was so I'll, I'll find the study and post it so there might be new numbers recently I know I, I did this training a while ago but mm-hmm. it says that uh, gay and bisexual youth and other sexual minorities are more likely to be rejected by their families this increases the possibility of them becoming homeless. And it says around 40% of homeless youth are LGBT. And then a study compared gay, lesbian, and bisexual young adults who experienced strong rejection from their families with their peers who had more supportive families. And the researchers found that those who experienced stronger rejection were about eight times more likely to have tried to commit suicide, six times more likely to report high levels of depression, three times more likely to use illegal drugs and three times more likely to have risky sex. Um, So obviously, you know, there needs to be stronger supports in place for these youth, right? And we need to listen to them and invite discussion about mental health and and discussion about even sex. Um, And schools need to encourage an environment of respect (laughs) and make school a safe place. Um, And I'm bringing all of this up because uh, this is sort of a touchy thing for me because recently we had an incident in one of the schools that I was consulting with and it could have ended tragically but luckily the school was able to listen and step in and help this child Um, so that's why this you know really gets my heart because these are kids who are just they're struggling and They're just, you know, I just, it hurts my heart. So I just want to say, if there's anyone out there who is listening and is struggling, I just want to say to you that you are loved, right? You are loved. You are not alone. You bring a light to this world and don't let anyone ever diminish that light, right? Mm -hmm. And if you need someone to talk to, you can call the Trevor Lifeline. And the phone number for that, I'm going to give it to you right now. The phone number for the Trevor Lifeline is 1-866-488-7386. And it's a totally safe and judgment-free space to talk. You are not alone.
2: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You're all loved. Yes. You know, we're sending you a hug now as my kids yes. we are giving out huggies. Yes,
1: yes. We <laughs> are know? giving out huggies. Yes. <laughs> Yes, so I, it's just an important thing, to, you know, to bring up because I know, yeah. you know, suffering is just it's, it's part of the human experience, right? And mm-hmm. we need to be there for each other. We need to show compassion, right? So, yeah. just really, really important. So, yes, we love our Hero Nation tribe. Yes. Um, so Breck, what? Is next on this list, I really feel like we should have done like a top 10, like a Dave Letterman <laughs> top 10, but whatever.
2: <laughs> oh, man. See, that would, that would have been too much. Yeah,
1: that me. would have been a little bit more easier. But okay, go ahead.
2: <laughs> but next on our list is Kyle Rayner, one of my favorite Green Lanterns. Yes, yes. And, Sora and Nick, not Natu. Now, yeah. Kyle is a Green Lantern, and he meets Sora, Nick in the Green Lantern Corps. Now, they were partners in battle for a while, and they weren't even allowed to even have the relationship because there was this thing called the New Laws. And the third new law stated that Green Lanterns cannot form relationships. Mm. Now, eventually, they go against the rules and go public with the relationship. So here's a story about forbidden love. Yeah,
1: that that's see, that's so interesting. The Green Lantern world in general is just so fascinating. And when yes. I talk about it in workshops, I talk about like the colors and the emotional spectrum. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, there's so much you can do with that. So definitely check out the Green Lantern stuff if you have it because there's so yes. many storylines and there's a lot of diversity in that too because we've even talked about like Simon Boz being one of like the, oh, yeah. the Arab uh, Muslim green Lanterns yep. and and John Stewart being the black you know mm-hmm. Green Lantern so there's there's a lot it's not just okay there's one Green Lantern and that's it so um, so it's not just Hal Jordan out there people so, no, no, <laughs> so think... Kyle Rayner is a good one yes. <laughs> yes so and then I have another interesting one to add to our list that um, we haven't talked about a superhero with a supervillain relationship oh. yet. Oh, so there's Bishop and Deathbird. Do you oh, remember that those? Is true. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so Bishop was an ally of the X-Men, and Deathbird is obviously she's an, uh, an enemy of the X-Men, and she's an alien. So this is one of those interspecies relationships. But no, um, no. but it's interesting because the relationship is you know something that you wouldn't have guessed. It's unlikely, but then you do see eventually that Bishop wears off on Deathbird to the point where you actually see her having mercy in combat at one point. So mm-hmm. it's sort of a good example of changing one for the better. Isn't that romantic? Aww. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's all about. See? What, what do you got next, Brack?
2: Well, next on our list is Carmilla Frost and Mashala Scott, who mm-hmm. were the first interracial kiss in comic book history, and that was in 1973. But then there was also Iron Fist and Misty Knight, who were the first interracial kiss in mainstream comics in 1977.
1: Yes. And, and, you know, that's a comic. Here's a a comics. I guess it's not really comics, but it's a fun fact for you. Um, So when you're on Jeopardy and you get this, you're going to share your money with Breck and me. Right, people? Um, (laughs) But um, the first... uh, on screen interracial kiss do you know who that was Bragg the first on screen
2: yes I do
1: okay well I'll just tell everybody because you know everything but um, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's Captain Kirk and Uhura yeah. so they were the first on screen so I'm not talking about comics um, yeah and so I just my wanted... mom was a Trekkie so yeah yeah, I... yeah, yeah, yeah 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 and see yeah. my husband is a, a Trekkie he loves Star Trek so that was my little mm. nod to my husband who loves Star Trek he can do you know I keep telling him to do a whole podcast on that be, but he doesn't mm. want to but yes <laughs> all <laughs> right so next up um is i've got forge and storm on my list oh, here see, so yeah. forge is native american of the cheyenne nation and mm-hmm. storm is from kenya yeah. and we know and love storm very much so both are members of the x-men and forge's ability is that he possesses this superhuman Intelligence of technology and he invents things and he has good markmanship and all that kind of stuff, right? And then obviously we know Storm, she has the ability to control the weather and she can fly. Um, so then in 1984's Uncanny X-Men number 186, Forge actually rescues Storm after she falls into a river, and she gets hit by this weapon, and the weapon permanently um, neutralizes her abilities, so she no longer ha- has them anymore, and that's why she fa- you know falls out of the sky and, and hits the river. So then he helps her recover and heal during this time, and during this time of recovery, they begin to fall in love, right, aww. But then this takes like a soap opera turn, Um, (laughs) but then it takes a turn Um. and it it turns out that Forge made the technology that took away her ability. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Yeah, so when, see it is, it's like days of our lives or yep. something up in here. Um, we need like Mateo or whatever to pop in. Or whatever. I don't know. So so when Storm finds out, obviously she's like, what? You know, and she leaves and gets angry at him. And so, you know, it's definitely a story about betrayal. Like this is definitely a story about betrayal. But then, I don't know, there's, you know, with comics, like you're always saying, Breck, comics um, there's like yeah. so many things that happen in between but later on they do cr- reconnect because um, and there's a whole backstory to this so I'm not, you know maybe one day we can go into it but yes. they basically end up in another dimension and it's void of all human life and so I guess because there's nobody else they they get back together and and I guess rekindle that love and Forge ends up helping her get back home um, so their story really is centered around the themes of betrayal, but then of regaining trust. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he kind of tries to make it up to her, right? He's like, you know, I betrayed you in the past, but I'll get you back home out of this dimension. And I guess she, she forgives him. or Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I know. <laughs> and, and so betrayals, of course, you know, they can be psychologically mm-hmm. traumatizing. You know, I'm sure Storm's trust in those around her was greatly affected after learning that the man she loved the man that helped her heal from her injury was the same guy who took away her powers and caused her the injury in the first place right exactly so the story does show that restoration of trust and repair in, in the relationship and Uh, A key part of restoring trust is about taking responsibility when you make mistakes. And Mm -hmm. so Forge does eventually create this machine that helps restore her powers. And he eventually goes on to work for the X-Men as part of their tech support. Um, So they do end up going their separate ways. And both of them sort of acknowledge, okay, the hurt and the pain that was that was in their relationship and what they went through and and one of the panels in Extraordinary X-Men's number 18 that it shows them hugging each other and Storm tells Forge I once loved you very much and so much has happened since then but a part of me always will wasn't that oh, beautiful that uh, was yes, see soap too. operas it right <laughs> Okay, I don't know. I don't know if you like that one, Breck. What do you got? I no, don't no,
2: Because also, real quick, I just want to add, you know, Forge, and his origin story, he was a Vietnam vet.
1: Ah. And,
2: you know, okay. he watched his whole company, or his whole, I don't know, what the troop battalion, company, I don't know. What he, there was a whole group around him who ended up dying. Okay. And he was the only one who made it out. You know, so that's even mm. more trauma on top of that.
1: That's true. So he's coming at it with his own issues and then yes. Yeah. So makes yes. so he was trying to make it up to her. I guess in the end it worked out and they were able to respectfully go their own way. So yeah. Yeah, that's, that's good. all
2: you can ask for. You yeah. Know, at yeah. <laughs> Look yeah. at
1: us. This is like the love advice hotline.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: what we turned this episode into, didn't we? <laughs> yes, yeah,
2: we what, do what do you got? What do you got
1: next on your list bracket? Well,
2: next I got Wally West. My favorite, yes, Flash.
1: I know a lot. And yeah. Linda yeah.
2: Park, you know, they're a good couple to talk about yeah. because Linda is a Korean American TV reporter, and they go through a lot together. I mean, she gets abducted; he almost gets killed a bunch of times. I mean, again, he's the Flash, so <laughs> right. I mean, it's going to happen. <laughs> right. Linda even loses all of her memories and forgets completely who he is. But in the end, they end up getting married and having twins. They actually lose the twins at one point when Linda's attacked. Wally, wo- Wally goes after the attacker, and the battle somehow restores her pregnancy because, you know, comics. Comics. Yeah, <laughs> comics time travel, it all right, you know. Right, yeah, It all happens. And then we have Wolverine, um, Mariko Yashada, who's Japanese. Mm-hmm. Now, Wolverine has been in a lot of relationships. I mean, mm-hmm. dude's over 100, 100 years old, so.
1: <laughs> he's been busy. <laughs> yeah.
2: You know, he's been with Storm, Mystique, Rogue. I mean, the list goes on and on and on but mariko americo was in an abusive relationship and she leaves that relationship and she and wolverine end up together and even adopt a child together but the story ends really really sadly she ends up getting poisoned and wolverine puts her out of her misery
1: oh man so euthanasia actually showing up in a comic book like assisted suicide there eek like that's that's some heavy stuff and man, especially for Wolverine to have to make that decision, you know? So, Mm -hmm. really, there's no subject that hasn't been touched upon in the comics world. I mean, can we agree on that? I I think they explore, like, everything that you could think of in the comics world. And um, this doesn't have anything to do with comics, by the way, Breck, but... um, like because you were saying and we were talking about Wolverine making this decision um, mm-hmm. there's a movie on Netflix because we talk about Netflix so much we should get like sponsored by them or something but um, <laughs> <laughs> there's a show or a movie called Paddleton have you seen that? no okay Uh -uh. i'm gonna ask everyone this is your homework you need to watch this movie because it is amazing um it's it stars um ray romano who i know i know if you're Uh. not a fan you're gonna be like "Eh, i don't want but he's actually really good in this movie he's like Uh excellent he's actually a really good serious actor and then Uh. mark duplass who i love he writes so many good things and he's a great actor as well and um the movie it centers around assisted suicide, so yeah, a light a light movie. Um, but, <laughs> but I know it sounds really depressing, but it, it's actually it's got a lot of humor in it too, and it, it really is about these two friends, and one of them has a terminal illness, and he decides that he wants to take his own life because he he doesn't want to have to suffer and go through this long drawn out death, you know, with his cancer. Um, and so, like I said, it's like emotional and it's funny, and really, I think it should have been nominated for some Oscars. So I was. Really surprised that like they weren't nominated at all um but i want to say like the one of the scenes at the very end got me ugly crying so definitely have your tissues on hand i know i'm really selling this because it sounds depressing (laughs) no but it's really really good and no it's such a good movie like it really moved me and a lot of movies don't do that and there's just so much to it so i hope everyone watches it again it's called paddleton and it's on Netflix, so everyone give this movie a chance, okay? So okay, that's all I'm gonna okay. say. I'll stop getting right. passionate about this, but okay, there
2: you go. No, I'll, I'll add it to my list. Okay, you know, okay. So check it out. I'll see. <laughs> okay. You know, make sure I have the tissues ready. Yes. Just in case. <laughs> watch you know, it with like, Watch it with your wife, right? Yeah, Hold her not hand. Lie, yeah. You know. <laughs> all right. Well, let's finish up this list with a few more. <laughs> okay. So we got John Stewart again, my yet. favorite Green Lantern, mm-hmm. and Hog Girl, who's an alien. So an interspecies couple like Lois Lane and Superman
1: yep yep and uh by the way i do find this whole concept of race in the comic book world kind of funny because like you're talking about worlds that have superhumans and super beings and aliens but then we're talking about like races like that matters you know like Mm -hmm. when we see like an interracial couple wow it's amazing but hello we got (laughs) aliens in this world but whatever um but oh and then speaking of the superman and lois i have this um, comic book it's their marriage like it's called a wedding album oh yeah and so it's when they get married and it really talks about their struggles together like Lois is always I don't know she's sort of always arguing with you know Clark because he's never there or he's mm-hmm. always you know he's always got business to do obviously so right. it's actually a really interesting look into their marriage and how he tries to balance being a husband and being Superman so I got that for my wedding from one of our mutual friends summer mm. so shout out to you I still have that comic book <laughs> and she gave that to me for my wedding so <laughs> I still have it I love it um, so um, anyway so if we're looking at other interspecies relationships there's also dick grayson nightwing i know you love right and uh starfire who is an alien Uh, there's also vision and scarlet witch another interspecies relationship because vision is an android right and scarlet witch is a mutant i guess i guess it's weird
2: because they they call him a synthezoid
1: Oh, okay. Which I don't so know.
2: I've never been interested enough to look up what that yeah, means. yeah. Okay. So if you out there in Hero Nation know what that means, let right. me know. Right. Yeah, it's but, vision. I don't but yeah, know. It's but, uh, yeah, he's pretty much an Android. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <I> mean, uh.
1: <laughs> what else you got, Bragg? <laughs> and
2: finally, last but not least, let's not forget Taya Ghoul and Bruce oh, Wayne uh, who Bruce gave Wayne. us Damian Wayne.
1: Yes, yes. And. And that storyline and that relationship is just a great reminder that no matter how much your (laughs) in-laws annoy you, just remember, Talia's dad was one of Batman's greatest villains, right? Yes.
2: (laughs) Yeah. See, great thing to remember. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I think that's our list, right?
2: Yeah, that's it. So, you know, I hope everyone enjoyed that rundown of some popular interracial or interspecies relationships.
1: Yes. I, I think we had fun with this one, you know, when we're talking about love, right? Yes. And And I think it was, yeah, I think this was a fun list to come up with. I, I enjoyed it. So uh, I guess I want to just close off with a quote from Stan Lee, Stan the Man. Ooh. Um, yeah, and He know. wrote this in Silver Surfer. So I tried to find the audio of this, but I couldn't. But I read this in Silver Surfer and I thought, wow, this is beautiful. So I'm just going to read it to, he- to you all out there. And what he says is there is only one who is all powerful and his greatest weapon is love. Um, Oh, you know, Stan, he always had the most powerful words, didn't he? He always brought people Mm -hmm. together and always reminded us about what was important in the end. And so I just want to say we're sending much love to our listeners if you know, Valentine's day or not. Like some people could care less. um, We love you. And we want to thank you all for always sticking with us and sending really nice emails and thank you so much for supporting us and listening.
2: Yes. Yes. Thank you guys so much.
1: And remember everyone, be kind to others, be kind to yourselves and geek on.
0: The geek therapy network and all of our projects are made possible by the supportive listeners. Like you, you can become a patron for as little as $1 a month and gain access to exclusive content, behind the scenes stories, swag, and more. Sign up at any tier and we'll send you a welcome kit in the mail, anywhere in the world, to celebrate your first month. Thank you so, so much for supporting us. We couldn't do it without you. You can learn more at patreon.com slash